gentle manner, suggesting the book could be small. Again, I said no. She said, well, just write five short articles, one for each principle. Well, as things happened, she went off to Bali for two months, and I stayed in Melbourne to write this book. In spite of my early resistance, I've written this book wholeheartedly because that's the only way I can do anything. I promised Aslam that I would write my truth. Not the truth of what I know, but the truth of who I am. And that's the scary and liberating part of writing and speaking. To reveal oneself completely, no hiding, no holding back. I promised her, and I have kept my promise. In the following pages, I share with you what I call the five principles of authentic living, which represent nearly 50 years of self-study. These principles comprise ten simple words, two words per principle. They are my scripture, the book I use to live an authentic life. Ten words, that's it. Yes, ten words, that's it. One word for every five years of intense self-study and spiritual discipline, meditation and self-inquiry. Almost 50 years, five principles set out in ten words. Within these ten words, I found what I'd been seeking my whole life. My search began when I was 11 years old, lying in bed with a broken leg after a skiing mishap in Cervinia, Italy. With nothing else to do, I skimmed through all the volumes of our encyclopedia. I was filled with an energy that expanded and excited me with wonder and awe and an intense curiosity. Life was so immense. I developed a restless and questioning spirit, needing to know who am I, what is my purpose, what is real. A few years later, I truly began my spiritual quest in search of answers to my questions about life and living, reality and truth, meaning and purpose. I had one adventure after another. I studied Zazen and Aikido in Northern California. I studied Eastern philosophies and read the writings of mystics. I wrote poetry and took up rock climbing. I drove trucks and worked in factories. I was a short order cook and then a mountain guide in the Sierra Nevada mountains. I traveled restlessly throughout Europe, Scandinavia, and Israel. I worked as a baker in Germany and I built ammunition storage bunkers in the Sinai Desert near the Suez Canal. I ran from police in Paris and spent a night in an Indian jail. I didn't do anything wrong. It was a case of mistaken identity, I'm happy to say. I ran in front of bulls in Pamplona, Spain, and I smoked hashish in Afghanistan. I caroused in jazz clubs in the red-light district of Amsterdam. My questions pushed me from one place to another, from one experience to another, all the while looking for answers. In 1973, I embarked on the overland route from Europe to India, carrying a 90-pound pack loaded with climbing gear. I had planned, along with free, three friends, to sneak into Bhutan and live in the high mountains. After three months, I crossed the border from Pakistan into India and headed to New Delhi, to meet my friends, two of whom had flown in from Europe. I caught up with them the night before they were turning to the U.S. India proved too much for them. Bye-bye, Bhutan. I wandered around India for several months. 
I stayed in ashrams and sat in meditation retreats. One day, I walked into the ashram of Swami Muktananda. I spent the next ten years with him. He was a master of Kundalini Shaktipat, which is spiritual energy transmission. He was a teacher of Vedanta and Kashmir Shaivism. But his essential teaching was deceptively simple. What I heard was this. God dwells within you as you. Therefore, meditate on your own self. When you know your own self, you will know everything because that self is the creative, intelligent power behind this whole universe. That, as I remember it, was his teaching. So I understood God's self and the creative, intelligent power between this whole universe to be one and the same. I took what he said to heart. I began to meditate on my own self.